the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. The 30-day rule basically says that whatever marketing you're doing right now in this current 30-day cycle is going to bear fruit within the next three to four months. So if you look at what you're doing right now and you're not doing any marketing activities right now, you're just practicing law, you're just working on the cases that you've got in the door right now, in three or four months, your well is going to be dry, your pipeline is going to be dry, and your business is going to start to do what, what we call an atticus is porpoising. And that's, a dolphin goes up and down, right? So they call that porpoising. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Meters. What's up, Jimmy? Tyson, my friend. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I was just telling you before we got on the show that somebody hacked my credit card, so I got to deal with that. But other than that, life is good. How you been? Good. Nothing like coming home after a long day at work to uh, find that you were, uh, your identity was stolen. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, the, scary, uh, the scary thing is, is about half hour later when I got on Facebook, there was an ad for LifeLock on my phone. So I don't know <laughs> how that happened. That's the scary part. You know what? Facebook is weird. And I noticed something that they're doing recently that it actually might be a good little lesson for all of us. They, I don't know if you've seen these ads for Google Portal or uh, Facebook Portal. Where they, it's a person, it, it's a real, I think it's a real profile of this person. And she posts, like, I'm finally getting to, you know, see my family. And it's all because of Facebook portal. And it looks like a real Facebook post, but it's a sponsored post. You have to look closely to see it's a sponsored post. So Facebook is doing some creepy stuff. It's following us around with different ads. And it's, it's, so this, it's a good lesson to learn. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at some point if someone on Facebook wasn't stealing our identity, but I, I doubt that that's what's going on with you right now. But anyways, you want to get to our uh, guest? Yeah. So we have uh, an attorney who's been a member of our group for a very long time. I think we've tried to get him on the show before. We certainly reconnected at the conference. We were really glad to have him. Uh, his name is Jim Hart. He has a big YouTube following. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about his practice. Jim, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me, uh, Jim. I'm Tyson. I appreciate it. All right. So, Jim, talk a little bit about your your, your background, uh, how you got to where you are now. So, I, I've been practicing about 15 years. 
So I started in, well, I went to school in Ohio at Ohio State, and then I we moved down to Florida because Ohio was just too cold. And I practiced in Orlando uh, from 2004 through about 2009, and then we decided Florida was too hot, so we came up to North Carolina and found that North Carolina was just right. And I've been here practicing since 2010. I've been a solo since 2005. And um, that's pretty much where I'm at. The main thrust of my practice is I've got a family law practice and that's the, the main moneymaker for my firm. And um, as you referenced, I have a YouTube channel that's somewhat passive, uh, but it does have a big following and I do some LLC work through that. But, but that's basically my practice. Jim, tell us about the size of your firm, who you have on your team, what different roles are. So I'm a true solo right now. We went through a period probably from 2010 through about 2017 or so where we were having kids and we had a death in the family and we had some other things happening. And so the practice wasn't really my focus. And so I stayed small and that was somewhat intentional. But I'd say in the past 18 months or so, we've really made an effort to start growing again. I am still a solo, but I've been through, um, if you want to talk about hiring, I wasn't planning on that, but I've been through four legal assistants and paralegals in the past year trying to find that right person. I feel like for most solos that are out there, once you get that, that really good keystone hire, it can really help catapult your business. And that's what I'm trying to do. So right now I'm actually working with I tried a bunch of different ways to do it, but I'm working with um, a legal staffing company to try and find somebody for that role, and uh, and then we'll go from there. But I do have I use like Smith.ai to answer my phones, and I've used virtual bookkeepers. Um, right now, I'm trying to find a new one. I just fired my my bookkeeper last month, and we're going to look for a new one. Uh, but uh, so I use a lot of virtual people. I've used. Um, for projects and things like that. I've gone to, Up, is it Upwork or, or Odesk or whatever it's called now, I can't remember. I've used them to do things. Um, I published a book uh, about four or five months ago. I used uh, some independent contractors for that. And uh, But for in terms of the day-to-day -day legal work, it's, it's mostly me. So Jim, I wanna talk a little bit about the, just the hiring and firing. I, I probably know more about it than, than Jim does just because we're, we're in this black group together, but. I, I talk. What do you think the troubles are? What do you think the issue is with with the hiring and the, and the firing? Because you, you've had some some problems. I wouldn't say problems. You've had some some difficulties with hiring and firing recently. And I wouldn't. It's not really the firing. It's just the, the, the keeping people that are good or finding people that are good. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think I, I actually did have one um, woman who was. Awesome. She was amazing. I would have kept her. I would have paid more to keep her. Uh, but unfortunately, she had some personal circumstances and she lived about an hour away from where my practice is. And she just didn't want to do the commute anymore. It was too much. And uh, but so the, the other people that I've hired, I would say the biggest. So there, there's different types of people that you can hire. And I know um, Tyson in the Slack group, we've talked about this a little bit and there's been debate about this. Uh, so you can hire what, what I would consider uh, an empty bucket person, which is basically somebody who doesn't know anything. Maybe they're right out of school or maybe they're still in school. Uh, I think, Jim, for you, Kent was a good example of this. You know, he came out, didn't really know anything, and, and he's smart, and he gets it, and you can teach him. And 
and they can be great. And so there's that person, there's what's called, I would say a half bucket person, which is they've got some experience, but they're not quite where you need them to be. So they still need some training. And then there's what I would consider a full bucket person. And from my practice, I've been hiring empty bucket people, which can be somewhat hit or miss. I mean, you can come up with a rock star, somebody that's awesome and uh, that's empty bucket and you'll save some money at least initially, but you're gonna have to spend a lot of time training them. And even if they are a rock star, you're still gonna have to spend a lot of time training them versus what, what I'm really transitioned to and what I'm looking for now is really somebody more of a full bucket. It's gonna cost me more in terms of investment, what I'm gonna have to pay to hire them. But I think in the long term, I'm not going to have to do as much training because ideally they would have experience doing family law here in North Carolina. They would understand who the judges are and how things work. And so I'm not, I would have to teach them like my systems and values for my firm, and hopefully they would mesh with that, but I'm not going to have to teach them as much about, uh, you know, here's what a motion is, for example, and here's how we set a hearing. So, because they're going to have some familiar, familiarity with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. And so, are you practicing in different areas? Are you all, is, is it just in care, in carry, or are you are practicing all over? So, I, my, my geographic region is basically Wake County. Occasionally we'll get some, which is which is Raleigh, the Triangle in North Carolina. Occasionally we'll get some cases from Durham County, which is like where Duke University is. Um, and uh, and but primarily we're in Wake County. We've got a big enough county that I don't need to go to four or five different counties. We've, it's a pretty big metropolitan area. So you mentioned the the empty bucket, half bucket, and full bucket. Is, are those things that you learned from Atticus? And, and will you talk a little bit about Atticus and your experience with that? Sure. Yeah, those are things I learned from Atticus. Um, we did a whole module on hiring. And what, what Tyson's referring to is I am in a program called Atticus, which is, is, is some people have different phrases for it, but, but basically it's a marketing program. And Every quarter, we fly down to Orlando. We fly in on a Thursday morning. We meet with our group, which right now is about 30 attorneys. And we've gotten to know each other over the past 18 months because we're meeting every single quarter in Orlando. And we stay through Thursday evening. We usually have a happy hour. Some of us go out to, inter- to eat dinner somewhere. And then Friday morning, we get up early. We, we have meetings through the day on Friday. And then we cut off at 3.30. And then we catch a flight right back to to Raleigh in the afternoon. And people are, I think the farthest person we've got is somebody's coming in from, uh, I want to say Winnipeg, Canada, maybe. And we've got some people from Boston and Chicago and Iowa, uh, a lot of people from Florida. And there's another attorney that's here in my, um, in Raleigh that, that uh, we usually on the same flight together. So, but that's what we do. And then in months when we're not meeting in Orlando, we have a call with a marketing coach that basically keeps us accountable and goes through our, we, we do 90 day plans every single 90 days and, and make sure we're doing what we need to be doing. And, um, you know, my, my experience with Atticus is they've got different levels for different practice areas. This is kind of the mid-level program. And when I do Atticus, my revenue goes up. When I don't do Atticus, my revenue stays, stays stagnant or drops. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of value in it. Other people have different opinions, but but it's been great for me when I've, and I've been doing it in one form or another probably since I started my law practice in Florida. Jimbo, I really like the description on your homepage or about your about page, I guess it is, um, where you just sort of walk through how your parents got separated when you were five 
about going to law school, your initial practice, and then launching your firm, moving to Carolina, and then and then you have a section in there on the future of your firm, a section on personal stuff, and then your bio. The bio, I love I love that the bio is buried at the end. Um, talk to the, our listeners about why you think such a descriptive. I know you like to write, but such a des- descriptive history of you is a good thing to put on your website. Well, I think it's important to establish a connection with the with the person that I'm trying to work with, and uh, and that being somebody who's thinking about going through a a legal separation and divorce. And if you if you can't, you need to find a way. Uh, I know Billy Tarasio talked about during her her talk at at MaxLawCon that when you're having that initial consultation with people, you want to initially you want to find a way in the first like five minutes of the consult to connect with the person or compliment them or do something. And so I think that that's really important. And this is just another touch point where you know people are obviously going to this page if they want to know more about me and they're thinking about hiring me. And this is a way to kind of connect with them a little bit, you know. So that that's kind of why I do that. So Jim, talk a little bit about where you do, where your firm is headed. So five, ten years from now, where, where do you see it going? So I would say in five or ten years, I really want to build into kind of a family law practice that is kind of one of the leaders in Wake County and uh, potentially North Carolina. But uh, there's a, there's another firm. A lot of you have probably talked about uh, Rosen. Uh, there's the Rosen Institute, which several members of Maxwell Con have been a member of. And they're one of the big competitors. They're right down the road from me. And uh, I learned a lot from Lee when he was still in Wake County. Now he's traveling the world. But um, I, know, I think you had him on the podcast, didn't you, at one point? And um, uh, but so I, I don't know that I want to be to that level. But basically where I want to be with my practice is I want to have a practice that's comfortable for me so that I can take time off when I want to and um, and that I don't have to be doing the day-to-day practice. So whether that means I have offices throughout the state or multi-states or just Wake County, that to me isn't as important as uh, making sure that my practice is serving my clients. I don't want to ever grow to the point where I don't feel like I'm providing tremendous value to my clients. And, um, and so that I can take time off when I want and the practice is still running and uh, potentially at some point, you know, in the next 10, 15, 20 years, whenever that, that I can groom somebody who is coming up with me to maybe purchase a practice and, and then off into retirement. I had a very strange sensation at the conference this year when you came up and said to me, nice to meet you. And because in my mind, I met you a long time ago, but it was such a reminder, a stark reminder that for a lot of the people at the conference, um, even though we had known each other for a long time, it was sort of this surreal meeting in the real world kind of a thing. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and, and then generally by your experience at the conference. Well, the conference, I just have to hand it to the two of you. The conference was awesome. It was hands down one of the best conferences I've been to that I can recall. Uh, in Certainly, it was one of the best legal conferences I've ever been to. Uh, it's funny. I was talking to, I went out to drink, um, which is a big thing for my practice. Like network, a lot of you talk about online marketing, and that's a big focus of discussion um, with people in the Facebook group and things. But I'm a big offline marketing person. I do a lot of my 
my networking things offline. I get a lot of business from referrals. And so I was having uh, drinks with another attorney last night, and we were talking about there was another conference that he went to where he had been invited to go. I, I don't know how much it cost him. I know it was probably around a thousand dollars. And he went there and he said it was like it was like this dog and pony show that he, he wasn't sure what he was getting into. And they initially they showed him this, these, the different services. And it was basically a big sales presentation for this this group that I'm not going to name. And the, the pricing was was ridiculous. And he went up. He went to the back of the room. and was like, I want my money back. I'm out of here. And they were they initially were a little reluctant, but they ultimately did give him his money back. And he said he spent a couple of days because he had some friends where the conference was and he just hung out with them and didn't go. But that that's not Max Lawson. Like you are the antithesis of that. And you've just done such a good job creating value and creating a community. I think that's probably the most important thing is everyone that we, we all know each other from the Facebook group. So you walk through people in the happy hour and you're like, oh, hi. It's like you're old friends. It's like you've met all the time. It's just you're taking those online relationships offline. And it's just such a wonderful experience because of that. It's it's all it's all the members is what it is, Jim. It's it's not really me and Jim. It was, it, it was started off me and Jim, but it's, it's really everyone else. I think that's what makes it great. I mean, I see you, Jim, as a, a very successful lawyer because, I mean, you and I have had a lot of talks and we've had talks in the Slack group. But I want to know what you struggle with the most. What's what's the thing? Because you seem pretty content being a solo. I mean, so I, I can't imagine hiring and firing. Uh, like, what what is it that you really struggle with? I I I'll be honest, Tyson. I don't want to be a solo. I want to grow, um, but I struggle with that. I I struggle with that all the time. And um, I it. it but I'm probably a bit of a perfectionist as, as well, and it's hard for me to delegate. I know that's probably true of a lot of people that are in the group, and a lot of the people that you know I've let go, uh, you know, they they the, the 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 work product that they give out is is not up to the quality that I want. Now maybe that's maybe this is my issue. Maybe these people were perfect people, and I let them go for the wrong reasons. But honestly, I don't think that was the case. And uh, so I would say what I struggle with is is the process that we're all going through and trying to build and grow our firms. And the way I've mapped it out for myself and would like to, to, to move forward is, you know, I need to, it's important to get this, I, I call it a keystone hire, because if you get this one keystone hire, somebody can come in and ideally like run your law firm, except for practicing law. Uh, that's going to free up your time to do more marketing and do the offline marketing that I think is so important. And the more offline marketing I can do, the more cases I can bring in, then I can hire more people, and then we can start to grow into something that that truly is a, um, you know, a, a firm that can provide some value to not only the community, to more people in the community, but also to the employees that work here. And that's that's the ultimate goal. But I struggle with that. It's it's really hard. I've got the systems. I've got all that stuff in place. I just have to, to scale it. And so scaling is something I really have a hard time with. Jim, you've mentioned offline marketing a couple of times. I'd love it if you could sort of walk through the listeners some of the things you have found success with and, and why you think it's as important or more important than the online stuff. There's something called the 30-day rule. The 30-day rule basically says that whatever marketing you're doing right now in this current 30-day cycle is going to bear fruit within the next three to four months. So if you look at what you're doing right now and you're not 
doing any marketing activities right now, you're just practicing law, you're just working on the cases that you've got in the door right now, in three or four months, your well is going to be dry, your pipeline is going to be dry, and your business is going to start to do what, what we call an atticus is porpoising. And that's a dolphin goes up and down, right? So they call that porpoise. What I am doing in my marketing right now on a day-to-day basis is trying to never stop marketing, trying to have three to five marketing contacts per week with people that are in a position to refer me business. So those might be therapists. Those might be other lawyers like I had um, drinks with last night. They might be friends from my kid's school that, that uh, you know, potentially know other people in the school that, that might be going through a divorce or separation. And it, it doesn't matter who it is, but if you're having those three to five contacts per week, um, ideally five. If you want to grow, I think you need to have at least five. If you want to stay where you're at right now, three. If you want to just, you know, fizzle out and die, then nothing. Um, but that's what I do is I'm trying to have those three to five contacts per week. And those contacts might be in the form of coffees, lunches, you know, after dinner drinks, whatever. Uh, but three to five per week. Is, is really important. Sometimes you don't have time to do all that. You just get on the phone with somebody for a half hour and you chat with them and they just, it keeps the top of mind awareness going. But that's what I'm working on right now. That's, that's what I've always done. That's been consistent with my practice since day one. And when I have slow periods, I can go back to that 30 day rule and say, what did I do in that 30 day block? I, I wasn't marketing. And that's why things are slow right now. So Jim, I'm going to talk a little bit more about those, those one-to-ones that you handle with people. Are those for those to actually count, I know you, you mentioned that you can, you know, follow sales, you can call them, but I mean, to actually count those on as, as a, as a meetup with them, does it have to be in person? I don't think so. I think, um, I think if you have a good call with somebody and it lasts 20 or 30 minutes, you know, you just call somebody up they haven't seen in six months and just to chat for a little bit. I think that counts. Um, I try and do them at least for the initial meetings with people that I've, that I, that I've never met with before, I try to, uh, you know, take them to coffee. Coffee is my favorite because I can get it done early in the morning and then go about my day. But uh, I, I think it's just if it's a quality touch, you know, anything longer than 20 or 30 minutes, around 20 or 30 minutes minimum, that I think counts the touch. Emailing so, somebody it- doesn't count. I'll put it that way. Okay, I want to I want to follow up to that. How how are you keeping yourself accountable on that? I have a um I have a, a a spreadsheet that I print off each week, and I I I just use tick marks. How many people did I meet with this week? And I try and track it. I'm not always great. Um, uh, like when I'm when I have a legal assistant in place and I have more time, um, I do a better job of tracking it. Right now, it's um. Uh, while I'm waiting to to find somebody, what's the what's the phrase? Hire slow, fire fast. So it's taken me some time to find somebody, but uh, typically when I do have somebody in place, and it's not just me, I'm much more. Um, uh, I, I basically just track it with tick sheets. Very cool, Jim. When it comes to that hurdle of scaling, if you had to sit for a second and think, what's the biggest impediment? In your in your mind, not 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 the procedural thing or the or the hurdle, but rather the the psychological block that's keeping you from scaling. What would you say to the? I think it's fear. I think it's fear of fear of being successful, fear of not being successful. Um, it's the. It's just really that that. Uh, 
you know, you, you think about it, you think, gosh, I'm going to pay this person 50 or $60,000 a year. That's, that's, you know, money that could be going in my pocket, but you can't look at it that way. You have to look at it in terms of if this person works out and this is the person that's going to come in and really help me elevate my practice, you know, that 50 or 60, you know, I've another attorney I'm friends with, I, um, who's in Atticus, I was talking to him about, uh, he had recently hired a paralegal that, um, he's paying her, I want to say 60 or $70,000 a year. And at first I was thinking, well, that's sticker shock. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of money. And, and he said, well, yeah, but in the first quarter of this year, she billed out $80,000 and collected $80,000. So that's, so you have to look at that, that money you're spending as really more of an investment and not a sunk cost. And if you can get the right person in that role who is productive and, um, and who can, who can produce revenue for you, then it's really more of a, um, that, that is an investment that's going to return many multiples over, over the years. One thing when it comes to hiring people that I think a lot of people get hung up on is they think about that annual salary and, and that's important. I'm not, I'm not, um, disagreeing with that, but at the same time, you don't have to have all that money at once to pay someone. If you, you know, you just have to pay them twice a month, you know, one twenty-fourth of that amount. So I think that a lot of people, um, view that as a stumbling block, but if you instead view it as someone that's going to help you make more than that over the next two weeks, then it's a good way to think about it. I think that's right. I think I think you're absolutely right. And if you look at it in terms of the bigger annual salary, then it is a huge number. But uh, if you look at it in terms, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. Sorry, Jim. So will you commit to hiring a new person in the next 120 days? Oh, absolutely. I've already, like I said, I already hired a, um, a search firm and I've also got an ad running on Indeed uh, looking for people. And so I'm, I, I, I absolutely, I'd like to have somebody in place by the, the end of, I'd say, July. Okay. And do you have all the systems and procedures in place whenever they start, they're, they're ready to go and get trained up? I, I, I absolutely do. You know, we, um, I don't remember who, I think it all started with Ryan McKean with Tetra, right? And, yeah. uh, and I know a bunch of people have jumped on that Tetra bandwagon and I've probably got 200 pages on Tetra now on how to do different things. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, we're, I mean, I'm, and that's something else I will tell you that we work about, that we work on at Atticus. So Atticus, not to, you know, tout their, tout their, uh, their, their product, but there's four things we work on with them. It's uh, the time management, marketing, staffing, cash flow. But what we, what we're working on this quarter, that's really important is score sheets. And there's a book by Charles Coonrand, I think. I think it's called Scorekeeping for Success, maybe. And uh, I can send you a link to the book uh, if you want to put it in the show notes. But basically, the idea is you create a scorecard for things that you want your people to do. So whenever you have them do a new task for you, then you give them the score sheet. And so when they turn in the task, they turn in the score sheet with it. And you can go through the score sheet and just check and say, okay, do they do this right? Do they do this right? Do they do this right? And that's something we're working on right now with Atticus and uh, that I'm working on. But but yes, so to answer your question, I do have the systems in place and we're ready to roll there. Super cool. Jim, um, I think that you are a very deep thinker and a very successful lawyer. And I just want to say that I think that you can do anything. I mean, you, you impressed me so much that most lawyers don't take the time to come to conferences, to join things like Atticus, to 
you know, think, think through what they're doing. And I just want to say that I think you can do whatever you want, get as big as you want, and that you're going to do nothing but succeed. Well, that's, uh, that's very kind of you, Jim, and uh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, gents. Well, I'm going to, I hate to wrap things up because actually I'm really, really enjoying this call, uh, but we need to wrap things up. Before I do, I want to remind everyone, go to the Facebook group, get involved there. There's so much activity going on on a daily basis. Um, so much people sharing their great you know, tips and tricks and all that. It's, it's a great place to be. Also, if you don't mind taking a couple seconds, going to iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, give us a five-star review. It really does help spread the love. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? All right. So I talked before on the Facebook group about things that I'm haunted by. You know, I've been haunted by the comment of Ali Bilson of when he said that most of us are, uh, we don't have the capacity to match our opportunities. I was haunted by Sandy Van and what she said at the conference when she said nothing but A players, no B players, no C players. But the thing that, that I've been thinking about a lot lately is I'm reading a book called Scaling Up. We've talked about it on the show before, Vern Harnish and the Gazelles group. And um, in talking about growth, he said that as you grow and you get to about five or six uh, employees, that you have to start delegating things that you're not good at. But then when you get up to like 10 or 12 or 15, then you have to start delegating things that you are good at. And that eventually, oftentimes what happens in growing companies is that the thing that the entrepreneur is best at becomes the weakness because he or she never lets it go. And that that um, retards growth, that holds holds the company back. So that's what I've been thinking about. It's a great book. It's one of those books, sort of like The E-Myth or Profit First, where you're reading it and you're like, I could read this book every six months and take away new things each time. It really is a good book. Um, so that the hack is, I guess, once you get to that level, you you start to delegate those things that, that only you can do. Is that, is that what the hack is, or the book the hack? I, I started a list. It's called uh, "I Don't Work Here Anymore," and it lists all the things that I've been doing that I'm getting rid of over the next six months. I love it. I love it. Uh, all right, Jim, what is your tip or hack of the week? So I've been thinking a lot about this, and we've already referenced some things like Atticus and Not Stop Marketing and things like that. But I would say, uh, kind of in line with that, in a tool that I use that uh, really helps me uh, to to stay focused and to manage my referrals. So we all have these CRMs that we use, right? So some people use my case, some people use Clio, some people use Filevine. They use all these different CRMs. Uh, something that I've done is in my practice, I've actually got a separate CRM for uh, my referral relationship. And I use a program called, it's called Less Annoying CRM. Uh, and it's, uh, I think that's the website, Less Annoying CRM. It's dirt cheap, it's like 10 bucks a month. And it does exactly what it's supposed to do, which is it syncs with your Google Calendar. You can tag people as different things. It's, it's, you can add, when you come back from a meeting with somebody, you can add notes really quickly. You can include tasks in there and it'll tell you how long it's been since you followed the people. And that's something I always use. So I put all my potential referral source sources, 
uh, into that list. Once I've made a coffee with somebody, they go in there. I come back from MaxLockCon and I, I, I talk to people. They go into that 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 uh, database. And it, if you use MailChimp, it syncs with MailChimp, so you can put people on. You can tag them, and then it goes to a list of MailChimp. It's just a wonderful program. It's the price is right for a solo attorney who's just starting out, and uh, I highly recommend it. And there's no, there's virtually no learning curve because it's just so easy to use. Hey Tyson, uh, before you yeah. talk, Tyson, uh, we've had a first here on the show. Uh, a, a tap, a hack or tip of the week has been recommended. That's actual client of mine. I we did the H1Bs for less annoying CRM last year, and they're they're great people to work with. So um, I actually haven't spent much time looking at the software, but if Jim Hart says it's good, I believe it. Yeah, I, that's kind of actually what I was thinking. I was like, well, man, if Jim if Jim recommends it, I'm gonna go and look at it. So. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. Just take a look at it. So especially because with what Jim and I spend on other on other stuff that we've got, um, if I could dump off a few hundred bucks on things I'm spending money on, then that'd be great and save me some money. Um, all right. So my tip of the week actually comes from Chris Nicolason, which it comes from Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz, or Motorbike Mike, or whatever you want to call him. And I, I know this is tough. Whenever I first read this. From, was, this actually comes from the Slack group that Jim and I are in, and it, it's it's to take a four week vacation, and, and and also disconnect from the business and be present in the vacation. Now, I I know whenever I first read that, I was like, no freaking way, like that's that's ridiculous. No way I'm gonna be able to do that. But the reason is is that it forces you to get your systems in place prior to the vacation. Uh, I am going to take this challenge head on, and I'm gonna do it. Uh, I my tip is for everyone else to do it because I think it's really going to test. If you think you've got your systems in place, it's going to test those systems. And if you don't have your systems in place, it's going to force you to. Because whenever I think about being off for four freaking weeks, it terrifies me. But I would love to be able to do it and spend time with my family. So I'm going to do it. That's my tip. Um, and I and thanks Chris for for sharing that with us. I don't know if you saw the the conversation between Chris and I about that. And do you know the difference? And you you may have seen it, but do you know the difference between a four week vacation and a two week vacation? So I'm looking at I'm looking at the thread now, but I'll, you go ahead and you go ahead and tell. <laughs> so so the answer is the stack of paperwork on your desk when you get back, because is and that's exactly what you said. So if you take a two week vacation, you're gonna have a huge stack of stuff to do when you get back. If you take a three or four week vacation there's not going to be a stack and the reason for that is because most things can wait two weeks but a lot of things cannot wait three or four weeks they need to be done and so someone in your office is going to say we need to get this done before they come back and so that's where their systems are so important but yeah that's that's a great idea great great goal i love it i love it that's and that that's great insight too so i'm glad you added that a little bit so uh, but Jim, see, this is why it was great having you on. We really do appreciate it. We waited way too long to have you on, but thank you so much for being on. Oh, you're you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. The Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.